0: where primary producers and non-english speakers were and remain marginalized. Afro-Latin Americans ritualized the understanding that one is not the citizen of but one nation alone, in my view partly because none of the available nations was adequate to their material and psychological needs. The racist American nation state was not sufficient to define the person, though one could not ignore one's relationship to it. Thus, like black North Americans, Afro-Latin Americans engaged in an intense struggle for respect. So in one of the most characteristic of African-American responses, and santeros ritually proclaimed themselves royalty in the iconography of two other places, Europe and Africa. At moments of possession by the gods, they are African monarchs. Whereas possessed Brazilian priests were European shaped royal crowns festooned with Yoruba inspired veils of beads. Cuban priests mount European style crowns on new initiates and place on top of the Souturini altars crowns that you know, look like the European bouffant crown, but hanging from them are veils made of sacred tools, the tools associated with the God's efficacy. So they're <coughs> their, uh, metal, uh, metal cut out tools. Um, <coughs> And of course, these suktus mine the, uh, the head of the initiate. So indirectly, the suggestion is that even in uh, maturity, the possession priest remains a king. Each priest is crowned in the initiation. The initiation is literally called a coronation. Each priest is crowned the sovereign of an interior embodied kingdom, where a dozen or more indwelling or nearby hovering spirits affirm the divinity of the priest and her empowerment through transactions with multiple places, multiple other places. The centrality of transactions with these sacred other places is equally evident in the other profession that earned Afro-Brazilians a major livelihood in the 19th and early 20th centuries. The transatlantic trade and religious goods from Africa. These goods, such as nut, bitter cola, river lime, and black soap, remain indispensable in Candomblé initiations Despite the transnational ontology, sense of geography, and practice at their core, these religions of the translocal self have been highly useful in the projects of territorial nationalists in the Americas, just as their African counterparts were in 19th century Lagos. In Haiti, northeastern Brazil, and Cuba, nationalist folklorists have publicized the local Afro-Atlantic possession religions as major evidence of the cultural distinctiveness of their territorial nations, and therefore as proof of their legitimate political autonomy from white or whiter imperialist powers. For example, Haitian physician Jean Prismaz made Vodou into the foremost living proof of Haitian cultural integrity and autonomy from the cultural and political system of the US invaders of his island. President Francois Duvalier, Turned the symbolism of the Haitian gods and the grassroots organizational networks of the priests into instruments of his rule. Cuban folklorist Fernando Ortiz focused his seminal cultural history of a recently independent Cuba on the religion and sacred music of Afro-Cubans. And in Brazil, psychiatrist Jaime Lunina Rodrigues, journalist Edison Carneiro, and anthropologist Gilberto Freire employed the beauty and dignity of northeastern Brazil's African-inspired religions. As well as the dignity and intelligence of the black transatlantic travelers to that region, as bulwarks against the Europhile cultural pretensions and economic dominance of Rio, of Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo. <coughs> in pursuit of respect for themselves, then, the regionalist and nationalist admirers of Candomblé, Santeria, and Vaudoux argued that the preeminence of Yoruba and Fong religion in northeastern Brazil, Cuba, and Haiti made these places culturally superior to regions where West Central African captives had predominated, such as the United States and Southeastern Brazil. Their evidence derives significantly from the 19th century Lagosian cultural renaissance and the writings which appear to have reached Latin America by the hand of the Afro-Brazilian Afro pilgrims and transatlantic merchants. This transnationalism is not only a mythological and ontological premise of the Yoruba religions, but also a centuries-old material reality based on the relatively minimal technological requirements of 19th century oceanic travel and more importantly, on the sacred motivation to transact with other places. Now, what happens when the foreign other is alive and present? Now, critics of my argument, and I know I will face them, will say that, Transnationalism is new, and it's qualitatively different because of the faster and easier material transactions with the other place. No longer is this principally a thing in the mind. It is greater, more and more, a material transaction if you can move to those places fast, if goods can move fast, if people can move fast, if ideas can move across the internet instead. Now, indeed, I can illustrate how such critics might be right. So for example, starting in 1981, there's been a series of international conferences of Odisha tradition of culture. They were first organized by Marta Moreno Vega, who runs the Caribbean Cultural Center in New York, in collaboration with Wendy Abdumbala, who is a very important, he's a spokesperson of the Ife uh, priesthood of divination. that is the, the uh, Ifa is kind of the preeminent form of divination of these religions. He's the spokesperson for the IFA branch, and he was at the time <coughs> the vice chancellor or president of the University of Ife. So They were working together on bringing together Odisha priests from all of the nations in the Americas where the gods were worshipped, and uh, and having them gather at Elaifa. Of course, this followed the 1978 uh, 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 deregulation of air travel, so under Carter, so. Flights were cheaper. You yeah, there was something materialist going on there. They thought that the that the, that the airline industry was going to collapse the same way the railroad industry did after oil became so expensive. So it changed a lot. Um, sure, yeah, the law. Surely, jets were a great way of getting there, much better than taking a steamboat. And they did get there. Um, they met. They uh, discovered greater reasons for unity, but also greater reasons for fear. They were met. By fundamentalist Christian Yorubas protesting against their presence, calling them devil worshippers. They encountered factional strife with the Ife, Ife and Modakeke people, the Ayar people who live in that area, all have been fighting each other since the 19th century. Um, uh, what they did not encounter an idol, but what they did encounter was lots of other Orisha worshipers who sustained lively traditions in the Americas that gave them hope and gave them justification to think of themselves as a world religion. But as in any other world religion, again, this category being a product of a transnational interaction, the likes of which Binger pointed out, um, diversity becomes as important as unity. And both become idioms of a power negotiation. That is to say, if you actually encounter a person from the sacred other place who says, yes, I hold the key to authentic practice. You bow down to me and I'll teach you the right way to do it. You will lose power. So, people who were in a position to assume a spokesman status or a leadership status within American religions quickly uh, distanced themselves from this effort to make Ife the center and Wanda the pope. So, materially, this happened uh, by uh, Marta Vegas favoring the conference moving across seven locales and just as the first had been IFE, the eighth would be IFE, Juan uh, de Abimbola was insisting on its being IFE every other year. But even though that would have been uh, uh, not extraordinarily more expensive, uh, the fact is it militated against some local political interests. and uh, and uh, and. And so, uh, yes, being in contact uh, more easily with the sacred other place in a material way, through air travel, through the improvements in uh, the technology of transportation and communication certainly did make a difference in this latter-day case. But I'll tell you, under earlier circumstances, something very similar had happened. Deep transformations that happened long before the Airline Deregulation Act, it happened long before jet technology when Mai Aninha, who was the founder of the Ilache au Temple in, in Salvador, uh, uh, decided to secede from the older and more prestigious Casabranca temple. Basically, these, uh, the Casa Branca Temple is regarded as the uh, founder of the Orthodox Yoruba tradition in uh, in Bahia. And when May Aninha seced, uh, she founded a house legitimately, but that house, being newer and younger, would forever be subordinate to Casabranca and to the earlier Sicedan Gantois Temple. But what she did was cultivated a special relationship with the transatlantic travelers, Machiniano do Bonfim and Joaquin Devo de Le Branco, who, through the steamship technology of that time, were moving back and forth too. And Macyniano Du having come up in the in the age of the Lagosian cultural renaissance, and probably never <coughs> having visited all came up with a formulation, came up with supposed restorations of African practices that he, I think, invented himself, um, and these became the uh, the distinguishing practice of Moina Mina's New Temple. She acquired through this transaction with uh, with the other place through. Joaquim uh, de Branco and Matinho do Bonfim a distinctive reputation for African purity, superseding the reputation for age and authenticity of the elder temples in Brazil, and as a consequence, the Opus Fonja Temple is not only the most prestigious Orisha Temple in Brazil now, but is the most prestigious Orisha Temple in the world. So. Um, it's not simply after some <coughs> historical rupture that we can start thinking of the consequences of, of, of transportation, mobility, translocalism in in, uh, in in the Brazilian These things were happening in the 1910s. I know that's not a legitimate word to the Green but from 1911 to about 1930 these profound changes in the order of Brazilian religion were taking place long before 1974, long before the oil crisis, long before 1980s, long before anything that <coughs> has been conventionally associated with globalization and these transformations have happened as a result of the will to transform as much as a result of the technology. So in sum, I conclude. The biggest differences between the West African and the American branches of this long transnational religion Relate to, number one, the quantitatively greater religious pluralism, and number two, the oppression of the African and the Americas. First, while the qualitative protocol of constructing the self in transaction with the foreign is fundamental to all of the Yoga-Atlantic traditions, the other places and the sacred technology of transaction with them have been meticulously elaborated and synthesized in the American traditions of Udisha worship the New World devotees construct themselves at the convergence of a quantitatively far more diverse set of nations and a quantitatively far more plural sense of the self than do West African devotees. Second, and also quantitatively, the number of people who dramatize their penetration by multiple nations has increased exponentially, and the imagery of its involuntarism has grown. According to this example, as well as today's worldwide explosion of religiosity among the poor and displaced. It is the oppressed and the marginalized who are most likely to seek help in other places. However, it is the most psychologically and socially marginalized, rather than the materially poorest, who seek transaction with the greatest number of other places. After all, the knowledge of multiple other places requires more time. Money and education. The insertion of the Afro-Atlantic religions into the comparative analysis already recently popularized by Europeanists and Asianists pushes me toward several several theoretical revisions. First, transnationalism seems new only if the observer and/or the observed belongs to a class of people who could once afford exclusive faith in the nation-state in the first place. Second. Capitalism and technology by themselves are insufficient to determine how people imagine themselves, their communities, or the geographical and cosmological context of their lives. Third, the premise that people's imaginations of community proceed in a consistent linear sequence and that a single form of community dominates all collective life within any given historical period is perhaps more an artifact of the observer's monotheistic thinking than a a considered product of social science. Finally, I offer for the reader's reflection, or in this case the audience's reflection, the hypothesis that all religion is transnational. And that what distinguishes Afro-Atlantic religions is their elaborate ritual and verbal reflection upon the translocal constitution of all communities and persons. The Afro-Atlantic religions, perhaps more than most religions, And the study of religion, perhaps more than the study of material, cultural, or political organization, suggests that all human beings, all human groupings, are constituted not by the technology, not only by the technology, but also by the ontology and ethnogeography of their relations to the outside. Thank you. I welcome questions, challenges, thoughts, explorations. Name calling.
1: <laughs> this is a thought. I can't put it in the only question. If I was to try to do it quickly, maybe I could. Um, but the your argument that Yoruba Atlantic religion and, and and all religion, but speaking specifically about this example, draws on translocal influences. In a way, reminds me of parallel arguments about African, particularly Nigerian, particularly Yoruba strategies of political and economic power. And um, here I'm drawing on. An old book of, of um, African history by John Peel, where he argues, in the case of Egesha, that it was access to the outside that allowed people to hold political power. They sort of said themselves well, holders of political power were the people who were at the interface of the inside and the outside, so that they could use resources from the outside and parlay them into power and influence in the inside. And then, you know, Fred Cooper is. Then elaborated this in the notion of a gatekeeper state mm-hmm. in London, mm-hmm. yeah. Um and so I'm not leading up to a question because I haven't quite gotten there yet. You're but I to, <laughs> to cite
0: these
2: people. Sure but
1: I wonder if you could speak about kind of the relationship of the religious and the political and the economic, yeah. either in the in the particular context of Yorba ideas or more generally.
0: So that's, that's where I thought I should go if I had another hour. Um, I was I was thinking culture doesn't just uh, doesn't just emerge and stay put. In other words, what are the political economic conditions that prompted this particular conception of, of, of the self and of the state and so forth? And uh, I I wouldn't doubt that that the particular role of Western African polities during the era of the slave trade uh, as, as, uh, as dependence for the importation of horses and/or for the importation of guns to protect their people, uh, and the ability of monarchs to monopolize trade in certain highly valued imported objects. For distribution and the creation of of political loyalties uh, were, were uh, partly a result of what West Africa was producing in those times and, and what Europe could produce that uh, that superseded what uh, African products that could have been used in the same functions um, and and literally. The products of, of the Colombian Exchange and the Indonesian Exchange have do- dominated agriculture in Africa: yams, cassava, corn. It's uh, it is it's an, an accurate historical consciousness that exchange with the outside world has been transformative in the making of the most fundamental aspects of daily life, and. Uh, I guess it's sort of sort of the way we think of our immigrant state. It's immigration's very empowering and enriching to our richest classes <laughs> right now. So so um, uh, we we've, we've, we've come to think of ourselves and speak of ourselves as that kind of open society and that hasn't always been that way in the US. I mean, There've been so many laws against immigration and so much nativism in the course of US history that corresponds to different phases in the needs of capital in the society. So uh, at at a a more contemporary level, it it seems uh, quite obvious to me that in a state that runs on oil revenues, uh, many forms of local production, whether of, of, of rice, rice production basically died after the oil boom in Nigeria. Nigeria used to produce a lot of rice. In 1950s photos of Nigeria, you'd see mountains of sacks of peanuts. And you didn't see that anymore after the oil boom. So uh, basically, uh, the oil boom made it possible for the the, uh, exchange, let's see, the gifting of imported objects that high-ranking state officials didn't have to work for and didn't have to depend on any labor, laborer to make uh, became the, the structure of the Nigerian state. Um, so they, in, in our society, we tend to call it corruption. They call it corruption, too, with considerably less anger. But that's, that's the nature of mineral-producing economies in most of the world. They're, they're you exchange stuff. Um, that nobody had to manufacture. And uh, let's see. And the, did you want to add something? I'm still no, thinking. I
3: just want to your uh, scholarship because uh, that was terribly difficult. The original work doesn't exist very much when mm-hmm. you look backwards. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, the context of your question, I think is a slavery context, mm-hmm. in terms of governance, an organization in exchange for slaves. Mm-hmm. You know, what if the derivation so of power where, where, where is? is I finish, yeah. 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 Well, I think this is really terrific because uh, I've never, I've been reading John Campbell's book. He mm-hmm. calls uh, Middle Passages, mm-hmm. which is a different, Middle Passages of John's life. Very different from what he's writing about—a tremendous engagement that is terrific. But I think, uh, I think now I have to kind of restructure my my thinking of context. I even start thinking about religion. I don't, you know, up until now I, I think of context, political context, in terms of slave trade. that's a dominant and race consciousness. So the tough concept for me is looking at concepts of racism that are uh, more recent mm-hmm. and trying to even begin to think backwards on things that happen in terms of race, <coughs> for example. Yeah. So the uh, yeah, was tough scholarship, I guess. Yes, that's true. And, uh, yeah. and I might add one more
0: thing about the proliferation of the traditions in Brazil. Uh, I, I forgot who was. Uh, let's see. It was uh, the the in the discussion of Brazilian politics and Latin American politics, one regularly hears uh, the term clientelism, in other words, whom you can attach yourself to as uh, a ward, as a follower, determines what kind of resources flow your way and determines who can stay in power. And, and so, someone compared the Orishas to uh, to uh, to uh, what is the word? Uh, patrons to patrons and. Uh, and uh, so pe- patron-clientage patron and the uh, personalness of power, I think, are, are manifest in the larger-than-life personality that uh, Also, thanks, Randy. That was oh,
2: sorry. you first. Okay, provocative as as, as always. Thanks. Um, I, I mean, just another way of stating Lisa's sort of query. Um, I mean, if this. I think you really nicely sort of make the case for the fact that the translocal and the other, um, you know, is a part of religious experience in a really profound way, at least of, you know, of this material, maybe of all, you know, all religions. Um, but the question is why, right? And you know, is it is it merely an artifact of history that you know, history is, you know, almost translocal? Is it an artifact of the social? Is it an artifact of the religious imagination? Um, and I mean, it's clearly a sort of technology of religious imagination that it draws on in, in, in a very sort of productive way. And, or, or
0: is it an artifact of how state institutions have defined religion? Okay. Mm-hmm. What yeah. what yeah, spaces I mean, and options they've been yeah. confined to? Yeah. Yeah. And, and if poor people can't get access to the most materially productive and, and Health making operations of the state or of capitalist industry, they're driven toward that space that was created by our definitions and by the state. But then state
2: religions, you know, at the top as well, they appropriate the other two, right? I mean,
0: definitely uh, in this case, yeah. And, you know, maybe one, I mean, again, this doesn't, I haven't moved as far as your question has gone, but obviously world systems theory provides for. Even the apex of these African states uh, having to deal with their subordination to uh, to manufacturers in Europe and people with bigger guns. Mm-hmm. But, yes, I
4: like the person. This nice person here. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the question. Yeah. was Let me just. Mm-hmm exteriorize what bothers me okay, <laughs> and yeah, then you yeah. may find a question in yourself. Yeah, yeah. It sounded to me as you were going um, through um, your paper that you had a fair, clear idea what it is you meant, you meant to signify by the word religion mm-hmm. or religion. Mm-hmm. And that the, the, um, the parade or the default example in your mind was what you said in passing was the Abrahamic religions. Yeah. And I was thinking, uh, as someone thinks about religion or not, about the, the just inherent problem yeah. in even identifying what that mm. word signifies.
3: Which so
0: Abrahamic or religion? No, no, uh, no Abrahamic. Yeah. The, okay.
4: the, the 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 foundation of your whole talk yeah. is that there is this thing or cluster of things that can appropriately legitimately be called religions. Now, if I said meaning systems, or if I said yeah. political systems, any yeah. number of things, yeah. I think the conversation would proceed in a, in a, in a very different yeah. way than if you use the word religion. Okay. So for me, what was missing mm-hmm. was some sense of what it is you are trying to get at. Yeah. The, the closest I came to that is when you mentioned something called Marxism. OK. Yeah. In, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a catalog of yeah. things, yeah. You, you kind of slip Marxism in <coughs> as if you were trying to legitimate Marxism within that universe of things that you call religion. Mm-hmm. But you never did really get back yes. to that. So you, yes. you asked for harsh critique. Go for I, it. That's fine. I, I That's wasn't, fine. I wasn't That's trying to, fine. That's to, to say that, but, but it sounds to me that yeah. if you're going to go down this, what, this road, somewhere along the way in your project, mm-hmm. uh, I think a little more than Assad's okay. construction yes. or any of the other discussions about yes. what he's been talking about. Yes. Because for me, I I am um, always sort of um, problematize the word religion itself mm-hmm. before even go yeah, on to talking about what it is I'm like talking about as yes, a religion, yes, and that's right. that's one of the yes. things.
0: I I was uh, I was talking fast, trying to get to, through a talk the text wasn't wasn't long enough. But um, I, I I tried to make clear that I don't. Uh, it's not so much that I think I know clearly what religion is as it is that in the emergent global context and patterns of the behavior of nation states certain institutions are relegated to that category uh, uh, certain uh, kinds of leaders are denied the right to speak about certain things or act in, in certain ways, uh, creating a what is the word a uh, It's not a foregone conclusion. It is a, let's see. The the concept has created a set of institutional realities that vary from nation state to nation state. It so happens that the Abrahamic religions have been the, uh, the, the archetype of religiosity around the Atlantic perimeter where Muslims and Christians had a lot more power to decide what functions were alienated from the state and what functions in societies that protected a non-state function called religion deserve protection Um, I slipped in a reference to karmic religions too insofar as you know and again I I I I hope it's not naive to expect that people who know about more religions than I do or more things that in particular nation-state contexts, have been accepted as religion have also noticed the tendency for things to be recognized as religions insofar as they conform to the model of one person still being an agent defined distinctly by God as an individual in ways that are very consistent with projects of state surveillance. You got me? Yeah, well, like, and I
4: always think I to either, but I guess will have some time to talk about this in greater detail. It's, it's just that there's a trap, it sounds to me, into which you're the very word, religious religious word. Yeah. What in religion is an English word. What we are calling religion is that we yeah. label it differently in different
0: Absolutely. You know,
4: linguistic and cultural And so That's really where I was, yeah. I was kind of nudging.
2: Uh, well, so but get,
4: but get me,
0: I agree.
2: Professor, professor, you, you know, I think you we've know, you know, got